Are we good, uh, Hurley, in terms of recording? Awesome. All right. So let's begin. We're going to do a live podcast and get the conversation started. Uh, this will be an episode of Alt-Right Politics. This is quite literally the first episode that we have recorded uh, without the aid of copious amounts of whiskey. Um, so it's going Working to be on that. different. But we have actually... Yes, uh, we've actually tried to solve this issue, so uh, someone is out fetching some, uh, some goodies for us. But anyway, uh, let's, let's introduce the panel, or we can begin at my left. Uh, this is Eli Mosley. I have known Eli for a very short period of time, a remarkably short period of time. Did March. we meet in March? Yeah. Uh, and in, in that time that we've had a, a friendship... <coughs> Uh, Charlottesville One happened. Uh, the anti-Syria airstrikes event. Auburn, Auburn happened. Uh, I, I actually can't think of doing what I do without Eli at this point. Um, so he's a remarkable guy. But Eli, welcome, and you can introduce yourself. Thanks. Uh, I'm Eli Mosley, and I'm the uh, new leader of Identity Europa. Um, I'll talk about this a little later today when I speak kind of the past year for me. Um, I mean, obviously, kind of what Richard just said, as far as me just meeting him in March, um, meeting Mike uh, down here, Enoch, in November. So it's been one year since I started coming to events like this and started doing things like this. Um, so I think that that's really going to be the future of this movement, is people like myself, uh, I, I mean, you could get, basically call it you know, alt-right 2.0, people who consume the content uh, of people like Mike and Richard and decided to get involved. So uh, that's kind of my background and... Uh, um, you know, I'll talk more about that later then. Yeah. I was definitely alt-right beta. Uh, I, I, and people like... You really, really want to go with that? Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Uh, yeah. It's, we're alt-right <laughs> alpha, but... Yeah there, yeah, there you go. To use this metaphor, it's beta software. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, there are certainly many alt-right alpha betas uh, in here, including uh, F. Roger Devlin, um, Kevin McDonald, and many others. Um, this is... Gregory Conti, who goes by the name Greg Ritter. That was his stage name. Um, Greg has been absolutely indispensable, um, I would say, along with Carolus Rex. Uh, I might not be alive today without Greg. Um, I did not have the honor of serving in the military, but I think I got a taste of the uh, Mogadishu Mile uh, when I ran down Market Street uh, with Greg uh, in August in Charlottesville while people were throwing rocks at us. Uh, and I had been blinded by mace. It was uh, quite a time. Uh, well, but why, why did you provoke them? Why did I what? Why did you provoke those people, those peace-loving <laughs> right. people? Right. You I was tweeting them. too much. Yeah. Um, so I was really the aggressor in that situation. Uh, but Greg has been indispensable to me in terms of operations, uh, with everything that I do, and he's been indispensable in terms of security. Um, he also has uh, an amazing background. So, Greg, why don't you talk about that? He's the only person here who can decline nouns in Mongolian. <laughs> well, yes, I, uh, I used to be able to. Uh, so my, my background, I studied languages at uh, Ohio State and, and then Georgetown, and uh, then I couldn't find a job. So I, uh, I spent a number of years just sort of uh, substitute teaching and doing uh, sort of odd jobs and you know slowly came into uh, this whole thing and uh, now I'm director of operations of National Policy Institute and I do the All Right Politics podcast with uh, Richard yes, absolutely. 
the next person needs no introduction, I'm sure, and that is Mike Enoch. He's the founder and uh, grandmaster of The Right Stuff, the founder of The Daily Showa, and a number of other things. Uh, Mike has is, is also been someone who went from being a, an, an anonymous, an anon, um, to having a, a pretty vicious dox, yeah. uh, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. To put it to put it mildly, actually, yeah. uh, but and Still I and ongoing, I, yeah. and I think there are a lot of people who thought that that would be it for not only the right stuff and and but but Mike himself uh, that it was too vicious, uh, but he, he he took his wounds and they've healed and he's better than ever as a public figure. Uh, so I, I think I think this also goes to show in terms of people who want to use doxing as a weapon, yeah. and there are many people like that. Um, that that doesn't work with everyone, and it actually increases people's power level, uh, as the case with Mike. So, um, Mike, yeah, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of fans and friends that I've seen before are here. It's great to see everybody. Uh, you know, the right stuff. Biz, the Daily Show. If you're not a listener. Fascination, also our sister podcast, and many other podcasts can be heard on our website. Um, yeah, it's been uh, about a year since we gathered at the same gathering, and that thing happened. <laughs> uh, it was a good time, though, and it's been a crazy year. It's uh, it's hard to believe it's only been a year, and that it, it's like this time warp crazy year. Like we've done so much. Like we've been through so much together uh i've been through a lot with some of you in this room we've been through trials together with richard eli greg we've been through trials together it's been an amazing year i wouldn't trade it in for anything honestly i really wouldn't yeah absolutely uh well let's begin so we are going to for are we looking we're doing the retrospective first we're now going to go through literal trials together too actually (laughs) 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 we can't talk about oh god uh, no, yes, we will literally be on trial. Uh, <laughs> fun. Uh, let's. We're going to do a retrospective of uh, 2016 and 2017. Yeah. And uh, so let's get started. Well, uh, from Maryland, all right politics, America's most trusted Sunday news program, sharpest minds, real sources, the most hardline positions. Uh, Well, we've already done the introduction, so let's just jump right into it. The uh, year in review. So we're going to start with uh, alt-right events of the year. And uh, I guess Richard wanted to start it with uh, Hillary's alt-right speech back in September. It was late August of uh, 2016. (laughs) So just uh, throw it to you, Richard. Uh, Was the alt-right speech of Hillary a colossal mistake? A colossal mistake for whom? For her? Um, I, I think, I'm not sure it was a colossal mistake for anyone. I think actually everyone won by that speech. And I, if I could have bribed the Clinton Foundation in order for Hillary you to could give have. a speech on, yeah, I, I could have. You don't have enough money, but in theory you could have. Yeah. Right. Do you accept cotton? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Um, if I could have done that, I would have. Uh, it was tremendous for us. Uh, it, we went through a process of recognition in the sense that I have been doing alt-right stuff, before we use that term, 
uh, regularly for a decade, and it I I was fine in a way with being a fringe figure doing philosophy and ideology and so on. Uh, I had accepted that burden. I, I also did think I do I did know that we were going to make an impact that we're going to break through. It's just the how and the when was left up to history, and Hillary talking about us. Uh, and, and recognizing the phenomenon what was an act of recognition that I think was absolutely indispensable in our rise. Now, I don't think she lost uh, anything by doing it. And so I, I disagree with Bannon, who I don't even know what Bannon's arguing. He just seems, oh, yeah, that's so stupid. I love that. I love that. So, But um, I, I, I think Hillary's strategy has been misunderstood. Um, I... I don't think that she was simply engaging and wow, just wowing. I think it was it was deeper than that. Um, Hillary was attempting a major realignment of both parties in which Donald Trump would be the Pied Piper of the conservatives, the alt-right, and, that, and it was a broader term then. That probably did include Alex Jones and some other people who really aren't on our same wavelength. Uh, but that they, we would be an intellectual vanguard of this new party and that we would scare off um, happy suburban uh, two Tesla-owning families uh, <laughs> who would not want to have any part of this and that these naturally conservative people would go into the Democratic Party. And that, so this was a necessary process for her. And it, although it didn't win electorally, that doesn't mean that it was a bad strategy. Uh, so I thought it was a win-win. Um, she pursued her mainstream corporate liberal agenda. We were recognized by public figures, which is absolutely indispensable in, in making our rise. So it was a wonderful thing. I was actually in Japan, of all places, when it happened. I was in a tiny matchbox-sized hotel room. And I remember getting like people sending me emails or like Twitter DMs. And, and I remember looking at it and it said, Hillary Clinton to give alt-right speech. And I just, I was like, this is not happening. Like, I, I'm in another realm. Like, you know, anime is real. Uh, uh, or, or someone's playing a prank on me. The hotel is, I, I didn't know what was happening. I could not believe it that it was happening this quickly. Yet it, this, it wasn't enough to put her over the top. No. But that does not mean it was a bad strategy. Well, I think that... Um you had mentioned this. Uh, we've talked about this several times. That th- there's some part of the left, the mainstream left, and, and that you know they're foot soldiers in the Antifa movement and things like that, that wants us to be their opposition on some level. Uh, they've been wanting to pinpoint the Republican Party as us or as some form of us for years, even though it's manifestly not true. And even in order to prove it not true, you get Republicans, you know, adopting children from Africa in order to, to prove to the Democrats that, that the accusations of racism aren't true. Um, and so on some level, like, they've been wanting... Because I, I often say this to, to leftists when I talk to them. I'm like, why, why don't you go... If you think capitalism is this great evil that creates all this inequality and war and terror around the world, why don't you go and protest at the Cato Institute? Like, why don't you do it? Uh, and they don't do it because, in reality, the Cato Institute doesn't threaten anything. And there's no real struggle between the left and the Cato Institute. In many ways, the Cato Institute can be called leftist, at least their social positions. Uh, but we do. We There's a real struggle to be had. And for people 
like one of the struggles that everybody has in this neoliberal corporate world is meaning in their life and a struggle provides that for us and on some level for them too like talking like when your enemies are free market conservatives it's like (laughs) there's nothing there it's like what are you doing like yeah i'm I'm nostalgic for old antifa like back in 2015 you could (laughs) go go to the mpi conference and they'd shoot some silly string at you and maybe try to take take your picture there was only like four of them but yeah (laughs) that one but things really changed this year with um with i get really for me at least with the uh, anti-war protest and uh, for West Coast guys with uh, Berkeley. And for me. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. As, yeah. as far as, like, the strategy goes, though, I think one thing – I think you're right. I think it was a good strategy for her because Trump riled up a base when he said that, you know, Mexico is not sending their best. Um, that was his way of playing, like, an implicit white identity politics where he was speaking to the white working class and telling them, you know, hey, look, there's this issue, and it is, it is a racial issue. And leftists correctly identified that, called him racist, started freaking out, calling him a bigot. Um, I think the left, or in Hillary Clinton's camp, um, their only choice is to double down on their, essentially, a coalition of minority groups, more minority identity groups. And what she was trying to do was rile them up, saying that, look, there's these evil racists coming over the hill, and they're going to take away your rights, they're going to send you out of this country, they're going to not let your people... Uh, you're not let, you, not let you bring your 13th aunt in from, you know, from back home. And this is kind of a way for her to rile up her base. Um, unfortunately, um, it didn't work for her. Oh, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for her, it didn't really work. Um, however, that's kind of how the Democrats need to proceed. I mean, I mean, we've all said it here plenty of times. The only future for the Democratic Party is a continued push towards this uh, this coalition of minority groups. They're, they're not going to be able to pick a Joe Biden or a Hillary Clinton anymore. They're going to need to go with, like, uh, Ellison's. They're going to need to go with, um, I mean, to some degree, Bernie and things like that. Like, that's, their, that's the future of their party. And we especially see that this week after we've seen the entire mainstream media and the Democratic apparatus basically throw the Clintons under the bus. Um, I do think she was going after white voters. And I think that is a a bit of a misunderstanding of her campaign. The picking of this, like, insanely boring... uh, I can't even remember. Who was the guy? Oh, the vice president? Yeah, I mean, who the hell is this person? Um, But anyway, they're just going for the most boring white people imaginable. Uh, that, That was an attempt to bring over whites. In terms of fortunately for us, I, I'm actually a little bit, ugh, I don't know, you could say cynical. Um, I don't know. Would it have been better if Hillary had won? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Sh- I don't I, know. I'll I give mean, a hard no on that. But okay. I can give my reasons. Well, let's, let's get into the uh, election results then. All right. Well, let's just oh, keep, yeah, the, the, keep yeah. this up. All right. Here's the argument. In terms of deplatforming and social outrage, the amplification of the left, including the Antifa, which has grown, as Greg pointed out. I mean, it, I remember Antifa. I remember walking up to them and talking to them at one point. And that's actually why I was punched was because I actually went out there and I was yeah. kind of joking around with them. I thought we were still in 2015. Um, and uh, all of these phenomena would have occurred under Hillary. They have occurred under Trump. The argument that I've heard from people is that Trump has given us a bit of breathing space or, or, or so on. Uh, I'm not sure I really buy that. Uh, in terms of the attacks against us digitally, uh, physically, in terms of Antifa, I, I don't 
think this we would have been on a different path under Hillary. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm skeptical of how great the Trump victory was. It did legitimize us. I think that's maybe the way that it was an unqualified victory in the sense that he was our candidate and he wasn't the cuck or the, the conservative candidate. He was ours. We yeah. chose him from day one. Yeah. And he won and was legitimized, proving that our message is more powerful and reaches people. Yeah. So I think that's that could be the counter argument. But I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of yeah, in terms of like acceleration, of like, I mean, let the bad times roll. Well, in terms of in terms of like uh, things like breathing space, I do I do think we got some breathing space. I do think that the the Justice Department would be investigating basically everybody with a, a frog profile in their Twitter if, if Hillary had been elected. But uh, so so there is that. But I I think that tr- I think Trump was the accelerationist candidate. I think Trump is what has set all of this in motion more so than Hillary was the status quo. She was a continuation of everything we've seen, and it would have been uh, it would have been probably very demoralizing for her to win. And then uh, it would have been like, see, the the corporate neoliberal consensus wins again. You can't. There is no revolution to be had. There is no change to be had. It's just the same old, same old. Trump tried to change it a little bit, and it's. It you know he failed and there it goes and uh, you know I think the real acceleration comes from Trump it wouldn't have come from Hillary yeah and the other thing too is the the media pays attention to us because he won that's I mean, true like literally yeah. every every reporter I've ever talked to at this point asks you know they ask uh, about Trump and like what we feel about Trump and all this other stuff which like I will be you know honest with them and tell them that we elected Donald Trump. Without us, without our movement, without us as a vanguard on social media, where the elections are now won, he would have lost. You would have. Um, and also our on the ground efforts. We I, got. I, I was uh, going to say that. I mean, we won Pennsylvania. We, we got the Amish out to vote. Yes. I mean, we we drove the Amish to the polls. <laughs> we had our guys. I mean, we were doing we that. Literally, yeah, we literally in cars, drove them because yeah. they can't do that. So we we sent guys in cars to get the Amish to the polls because we knew they were supporting Trump, and we possibly flipped Pennsylvania without which he wouldn't have without won. So doubt. quite literally, I think we can take credit for his win. So so yeah, so I think I think that basically him winning and getting us some of this attention that we're getting, it gets people out and gets people uh, uh, aware of us, right? So um, I mean, th- we can start talking about this soon, but basically, like with Hailgate and Trump's win, it basically catapulted us into, you know, mainstream relevance in a way. And I, I mean, when people join Identity Europa, and I ask them, you know, when did you hear about us? And this is, I actually just met someone, Richard, that heard about us, Seville uh, 3. Wow. So, really? <laughs> yeah, so, what, you know, whenever people, you know. That's a I, new one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So whenever people, for those of you guys who don't know, join Identity Europa, or I talk to them, I ask them, when did you hear about us? When did you join, you know, IE? Uh, or when did you join the movement? And over the past couple of months, Richard, me, and Mike, we've been, we've been realizing that people were saying things like, oh, I heard about you during Hailgate or from the Hillary speech. And then it started coming out. People heard us from Auburn and Charlottesville yeah, right. won and yeah. things like that. Um, so a lot of people who think that, you know, why are you guys going out and doing these things? Um, we are reaching people for sure about this. And they're, and they're not just people who want to show up and hang out and, and drink beers and, you know, complain about the woes of the world they show up and they ask what can i do to help yeah. what you know what what can i do here's my skills put me to work and that is something that is totally different 
from when I, I mean, when I started this, in, you know, last year. The, the the type of person who's coming into the movement is a different type of person. What one another aspect to this is the amount of veterans who are entering the alt right. That is a clear phenomenon, and they have a different mentality, and it is a a great one. It is a all about action. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the type of people. I remember at Charlottesville one, which occurred in May. I, I was talking to this um, young woman, and I said, "Oh, you know, how did you get in the alt right?" You know, and I and I was thinking about my own Gen X journey, which was, you know, oh, we were a libertarian for seven years, and then <laughs> then we read Kevin McDonald, and you know, but then we rejected it at first. And we, you know, we had this long journey, and she was like, "Oh, I watched your Texas A and M speech," and so she went from. Like seeing images of me making fun of baby boomers, <laughs> Texas A&M or something. Or I'm sure she watched the whole speech. But anyway, she, she went from that video to actively participating in an alt-right activism in, what was that, five months? Yeah, something so like that. So it, yeah. it's like this is where we are. It, it's my generation. We took our time. We read books. <laughs> you know, millennials, Gen Z, it's just it's like a shot of heroin to the eyeball well I mean, the, they're just n and they're they're activists immediately it's amazing <laughs> well that's the thing with doxing now too i can't tell you how many young people some of them in this room today who come up to me they're like hey i'm 19 i'm 18 i want to dox myself and i'm like no 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 no, no. relax like relax like just cool cool it with that um but uh like what they're realizing is that people like myself and like like mike here who were docs and whose lives changed um, completely overnight, um, they they want to do what we do. They want to go out and they want to you know participate in activism, get involved in the movement. They don't want to be afraid to show their face. So the the doxing, I mean, I think that in 2017, uh, I'm sorry, in 2018, um, it's going to be dead after 2018. I think we're going to see probably a couple more here or there, maybe. But overall, I, look, I think doxing is totally dead because it's mm. it's fueling the young people to want to come out and do stuff. Yeah, also, we've become increasingly dox-proof. Like, we've had a number of wins on that front where people have been doxed and uh, it didn't, nothing happened to them. Yeah. Like, I mean, there have, not to belittle those that have been doxed and have lost a lot. <laughs> I know that those people are out there. And we try to do things for people when that, that happens. We now have a big enough movement that we have some resources where we can help people and, and, you know, we can connect people with, well, I know a guy who's got a company, you know, and he'll give you a job and things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's increasingly not, not seeming to pay, pay the dividends that it used to, and it doesn't really scare people anymore. Um, it used to be a very frightening thing. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, I think, I think, I think the culture has changed to the point where like, being alt-right is not weird anymore. Um, and if you're particularly amongst the conservative youth movement, to the extent it exists, to, 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 to young people, Generation Z or young millennials that are, are on the right and would be expected to be involved in like the conservative youth movement and walk around Washington, D.C. with like a, a blue suit and a red tie and, you know, and a clipboard and talk about the Constitution. Like, they don't do that. What they talk about is, is do you think that that guy is all right? Like, he's in our group. Do you think he's... I saw a, him, I saw the, him uh, looking real, at Richard's Twitter. Like, you know, like... I, I, the, the real uh, weakness of doxing is, is it happens more and more and more. We have more and more people who are out in the open and who are... We're starting to develop our own internal economy. Yeah. Uh, if I need to go for legal advice, 
I just call up a guy uh, or accounting or, or uh, security or whatever. There's people that we have who do it, and we're starting to build this network of people who can just get things done. But uh, let's, uh, let's turn to, um, as we're meandering through the year here, uh, we'll get, a, uh, get past the election and get to uh, Hailgate. So, uh, Richard, <laughs> are we going to uh, reenact Hailgate today? There, 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 there are Hailgate reenactors uh, out there. Are they, there any veterans here? Raise yeah. your hand. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they come and they, they go to Washington, D.C. and put on suits and reenact you know, uh, this controversy. Uh, wow, um, that was uh, one for the ages. I, uh, I, I can remember on Tuesday being at a casual restaurant with uh, Hannibal Bateman, actually, a friend of mine. And we were just eating there. And on, on the bar, they were playing Fox News or CNN or something. And there was an image of me giving the speech. And it was the, you know, the Atlantic video. And it, I had this feeling that I was in a, one of these Hollywood movies where there's this cliche of, you know, it's the fugitive on the run. He's in a subway. And he looks up. And the guy, you know, reading the paper. And he's on the <laughs> cover. And, it, you know, he comes like that. It was, it was deeply surreal. Uh, and, and to be honest, I did feel like the world was coming, crashing down in on me. I mean, the, the pressure that I went through was certainly greater than anything I've ever gone through in my entire life. Uh, and I also knew that um, everything was going to change after that moment. And uh, at the same time, uh, I never had the instinct to apologize for it. And I never had the instinct to throw anyone under the bus, to blame anyone. Um, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> but no, I don't know what you're um, talking about. <laughs> but anyway, uh, because at the at the end of the day, everything that I told the media was absolutely true. Um, I I I said, "Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory!" I'm going to talk about hailing victory. My after dinner remarks. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. We need to be winners. Uh, it is winning is the way to change the world. Yeah. Uh, I do not want to hail principles. Uh, we want to hail victory. And so I don't have any problem with it. And the people who were there, uh, yeah, sure, they were euphoric. I think we were all on cloud nine. I mean, if we can remember where we were. It was like a week after Trump won. It was days after yeah. Trump won. Yeah, and, we were like... And, and yeah. none of the skepticism that we have now was there because we were like, they're hiring us. You know, no, like, <laughs> I, I went up there and I was like, this is our city now. It's, yeah. We won. And, like, and, yeah. Yeah. and I was like, oh, wait. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, everyone was way ahead of themselves. Yeah. We were like yards and yards ahead of ourselves. It, it was what it was. And at, I, I, I don't want to indulge in there's no such thing as bad publicity too much. Uh, because obviously there is such a thing as bad publicity. You, you can look stupid. You can make everyone look like a fool. But this was probably that kind of perfect thing where we were edgy and we were bold and we were totally uncucked. Uh, but then at the same time, it, it, it was a massive publicity event. I mean, yeah. we, we did give the liberal media what they wanted at some level. Uh, but at the same time, there was more to it than that as well. I, yeah. I think the most important thing that often gets underlooked with Hellgate is if we put ourselves back at that time, um, you know, Hillary Clinton just did her speech, you know, lumping us in with Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson. Right. And, you know, you had people like Mike Cernovich calling themselves alt-right. Yeah. And the term <laughs> alt-right wasn't very defined. But when Hellgate that happened... That was good. At it, that time, that it, was it great. It was perfect for that time. Yes. But after Trump won, the alt-right had to be defined. Yeah. And the, the Hellgate phenomenon 
did that. It basically pushed out the people who are not here for their people, uh, as we now turn them the merchant right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it really kind of solidified who we were as a movement. And like since then, um, and, and I don't really think about this too much, but what alt-right meant then uh, was a very like loosely – like. It was a loose term to describe a group of people. Now, I, I couldn't be, it couldn't be more clear who we are, what we stand for, and what we're trying to do. Um, and, you know, we get this in the media. They don't ask us too much about, like, the, 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 the uh, basic questions, things like, uh, do you, are you aware that race is only skin color and things <laughs> right, like that? Right. Like, <laughs> they've, they've moved past that, right? So we defined ourselves with Hellgate. Um, I was one of the people <laughs> that right out of the gate was like... Uh, you were in the uh, Anglin camp. Yeah, I was a big. Uh, I was. I knew that it was going to be okay. Um, yeah. I thought that it was going to be. You know, there's obviously people who you know routed and you know disavowed and all this other stuff. Um, and I think that that's going to be the story of our movement moving forward. Is you know uh, when the tree shakes, the the dead fruit that fall out. Uh, that's a good thing for the tree. Um, get rid of those. Get rid of the of the bad cells, right? Right. The, the I, bad, I, I bad don't, cells. I don't want to uh, <laughs> boast, but also if if I had apologized or disavowed, I it would have been disastrous. I yeah. think I could have. I would have killed the alt right. Yeah. Yep. Actually, and maybe we would have bullied you too. Right. And, oh, and, dude. I, yeah. and I actually would have lost it. everything because uh, the alt right would be delegitimized. We would have cucked. We would have apologized. We would be ridiculed. And at the same time, I would have lost friends who have invested in this and are like, no, you have to keep going. Yeah. And so it would have been the worst of all possible worlds. All these people who engage in denunciation, I mean, obviously sometimes the denunciation is valid. I mean, we, we all get that, but it, it, you know what I'm talking about. People who just engage in denunciations, you have to distance from this, distance from that. I don't know of any example at, when it, it has actually worked. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it's so we yeah. actually were in peril, and people like Mike supported me, certainly lots of others, and we're now stronger, and it's this kind of... The Hellgate's kind of a fun memory. Yeah, it's like a big joke now. It's funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, on the on the point of, like, uh, I agree that, that... I don't agree with that there's no such thing as bad publicity. I mean, obviously, you know, if that were true, then... Uh, our friend Angela Nagel here would have the courage to be a guest on my podcast, but uh, <laughs> she has declined declined that. Uh, you know, I I don't know what her her you know her backers are telling her on that level, but you know, I think that in the end, Hailgate seemed bad, but then it I, I knew it was going to be like just like Eli said, I knew it would be okay. Yeah, and we got people from it. Like yeah. we people came to us because of it. People that didn't know about you saw you on the news, and then they were like, "Well, what is this guy saying?" And then they listened. So, like again, there's I think the 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 you know the corporate neoliberal establishment media. You know, our friends, some of our friends are here today. I hope you <laughs> enjoy your careers. They're probably very satisfying for you. Um, you know, the more they cover us in an attempt to create this, um, oh, the, this is like the secret thing behind Trump, which is why middle-class white people need to become Democrats. I mean, that's what's going on. That's what's going on here, right? Like, we all know that's what's going on. Um, it doesn't work <laughs> because, you know, you just make people interested in us. I'm kind of, like, giving the secret away. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> you're not going to stop, and you know that you won't stop. So thank you for being here. Yeah. yeah. 
The other uh, mo- uh, moment this year that really shook the uh, wheat from the chaff was uh, Charlottesville 2. And yeah. uh, we sort of had a similar phenomenon after Halgate, where it was about a month or a few weeks of everyone being too scared to even do anything. And then uh, we recovered. After Halgate, we recovered, I guess, with uh, Texas A&M. Or at least you did. I, uh, <laughs> I, I think that the Texas A&M was also necessary. And um, I, the fates were on our side in the sense that they gave that to us. Because that, that Texas A&M was not my doing. That, that was organic with Preston Wigington, who, want, who has been bringing speakers uh, constantly to Texas A&M. He's brought Alexander Dugan. He's, he's brought Jared Taylor and things like this. But we were at a new point. And Texas A&M, I think, was also a necessary moment in our rise because, A, it gave us a chance to respond to Hailgate and to, and to not respond to it and, and look like fools. Like, I, I gave an identitarian speech that laid out our movement's message clearly, uh, but also philosophically. Um, and there's it, some great bands. I mean, that was oh, epic. Yes. Like that takedown yeah. of that you, fat that's boomer. Came, compliment coming from Mike. <laughs> you became the avatar of Chad nationalism for one. Uh, that, for was, one that was great. <laughs> Fantastic. That was authentic as well. Never yeah. underestimate the power of like extremely pointed remarks at people. Right. Well, well, so he walked away. It's good. Yeah, it's a it's a show of power. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. quickly uh, sort of recount the uh, college tour this year. So it started with Texas A and M. That was uh, sort of still the old type alt right liberal interaction where things were relatively civil. Uh, yeah. Then we had yeah. uh, Auburn where things escalated a little bit, and then but uh, it was civil in it was in civil the auditorium. Right. It was right. very civil in the auditorium. And, 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 and Auburn culminated a, with uh, with Florida, but well, yeah, well, Eli. Auburn was a milestone that I don't think people that are not behind the scenes don't rec- they don't recognize this. But that was the first time we professionalized. And under yes. like three or like three days or something, something insane because we weren't sure if Richard was going to be able to speak. And you know, one of the things that we noticed with Texas A&M and other things was, you know, Richard's able to speak better and do his job better when um, he's not burdened by dealing with logistics and security and press and doing all things at once. So at Auburn, and this is when I first started doing things, was Auburn, yeah. uh, as far as uh, like getting involved behind the scenes and like planning things, we basically put together a professional team of people who we still use today, a lot of those people. I mean, people have come and, came and go on the team, but overall, that team we put together at Auburn uh, you know, essentially professionalized the movement overnight. We right, had because our, our alternate teams. plan was we're going to flash mob, random place on campus. How do we do that without getting arrested or getting <laughs> killed? I was legitimately and careless Rex. I was legitimately of scared of that. I mean, we were going to do it, but I was legitimately like nervous. Wait, like, what Auburn? is going to happen? Yeah, no, no. When if we didn't win the case and we had to do oh, the flash oh, yeah, mob on yeah. campus with thousands of anti fuck, I was like, what is that going to be like? Uh, you know, you can call, call me a pussy if you want. I knew like, we were going <laughs> to. I knew we were going to win that case because yeah. Cameron's belief yeah, in the Constitution. <laughs> no, there, I mean, the adrenaline rush is pretty. Um, yeah, you. I'll, I'll actually I'll jump in and then I'll, I'll I'll talk about something else. But yeah, the adrenaline rush is real. I I actually did feel legitimate fear before Florida uh, <laughs> because there was even more impact. There was even more people caring about this. People trying to scuttle the event. And I, I've heard this from military veterans. I, I I've heard it from Eli where you take a close call. And you, in a way, accept death in your heart. And 
you've died at a certain level, and everything after that is bonus. Um, I, I do it's called f- the gorilla mindset. Um, I I did think about these things I'm like are you willing to be shot Uh, are you willing to be overwhelmed by an Antifa mob and and beaten to death and you do have to ask yourself that question and answer it in a serious manner and I have answered that yes Uh, I don't say that lightly, but, but this was also a major psychological change. I didn't have to ask myself that question at, at the 2013 MPI conference, <laughs> where we had a, a, you know 100 people, we were talking about economics and race and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have to, there wasn't that existential angst uh, to anything that we did. Um, but anyway, just to go back and to talk about where we were, Texas A&M, that was the first time that my mere present somewhere created a just uncontrollable shit show. <laughs> so earlier in April, actually Identity Europa and I, we, actually, we went to Berkeley's campus. We went to the center quad and we said, do you want to have a conversation about race? And so we just yeah. showed up. We announced it beforehand. There, I think, I think there were like three reporters. There were some random students. We had great conversations. It was fun. We're doing that uh, next weekend, right? No security. What? We're doing that again next weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no security. We were just there. And I didn't really fear for my life at any point. Um, you know, flash forward seven months or so in, in December, and we go to Texas A&M. There are people trying to get into the auditorium. They're pushing and police in riot gear. Uh, the president explicitly denounces me right after my own high school denounced me, <laughs> one of their own. In tear. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, he explicitly denounces me. They hold a counter rally in a football stadium. Uh, I being, you know, shuttled around by the campus police who are like taking me into the service entrance or going up these like es- you know, these elevators where they like bring in, you know, f- food for the cafeteria. I mean, it was totally insane. It was just a totally new place. Uh, and then Auburn. This, what happened there was, as, as others have said, that was the first time we professionalized where Carolus was in charge. And we had a, vol- a, a volunteer and paid, certainly, but a vol- fundamentally volunteer security apparatus that was protecting us. And, and uh, groups wearing you know, khakis and polos who were there as you know, our people. We had, and we we had intelligence services and drones. Yeah, we had, we had <laughs> drones. Eli wasn't even, or you weren't even in I wasn't the office. there. You I was were run- just manning <laughs> the intelligence desk. So it, that level of professionalization. And then, again, it, this, this reached a new level of Florida where a state of emergency was called. People were trying to absolutely shut down the event. And we were fighting back. We distributed the tickets. We did, I mean, the, everything is an escalation. I mean, everything is a step forward. Um, and I don't, again, if we just go back to 2016 in May, um, not to boast, but I mean, could I just walk on to Cal Berkeley's campus and be like, hey, y'all, uh, could I have a conversation with students? I would love to do that. I've done that in the past. I, I used to go to campuses in like 2010, and there were like a dozen people in the room talking. I can't even do that at this point. If, for me to even step foot, we would need a security apparatus. Their state of emergency would be declared, <laughs> Uh, so where we have come in this short of time is a miracle. All right. Well, uh, 
the the other big escalation was the anti-war rally, uh, mm. and uh, we were talking about getting torn limb from limb by communists, and that was probably the only time that we've actually gotten, like, I think it was a fair awesome. assumption. Uh, that was the greatest adrenaline rush of my life, <laughs> and it's I've been chasing that dragon for the last, like, few months. <laughs> so... This is the one man who was disappointed after Charlottesville. Like, we, we got back to the motel, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was like, had been maced twice. And Greg was like, this is really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just a little mace and, like, running down the street. They threw some bottles. It was kind of – they didn't – at uh, the anti-war rally, they surrounded the car, and it was sort of a zombie apocalypse scenario. But, yeah. That, that but uh, let's, let's, let's talk about that maybe from the more uh, – the macro – angle the political angle that was when the alt-right first showed our our cleavage with trump yeah i mean basically we distinguish ourselves from trump you know a lot of people thought that we were like trump and us were just like two peas in a pod and we would become trump cheerleaders well the merchant right has become the cheerleaders Mm -hmm. and we have been willing to criticize Mm -hmm. him i remember Mm -hmm. actually right after trump bombed syria which is obviously something the alt-right's against um i mean we are fundamentally for those who don't know um, and anti, you know, yeah, anti-war no. pro-Assad. Absolutely pro-Assad. Um, yeah, we're not really anti-war. I mean, well, white bathism now. Stupid wars. Anti, like, yes, anti-merchant wars is right, what we'll say. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the best way to the best way we I'll knew say, how we're anti-Jewish wars. Like I'll say it. No, like these wars <laughs> are are the result of the Jewish lobby. Okay. And I'm against Jewish wars for Jewish interests yeah. because it's not our interest. So, so I remember you guys called me. I remember you guys called me right after it was bombed. You're like, we have to do something. We were like, I guess we could show up in front of the White House and Let, protest. Let's also rewind real quickly. I, I, I think Greg was with me when those strikes occurred. Like, no, I wasn't. I, I was at a track meet. Oh, you we were at a track meet. Okay, <laughs> other people were with me. Um, back in his, uh, we were his, really mad. I was screaming. <laughs> I was recording the Daily Show. Yeah, yeah, and I began throwing things around my apartment. You jumped in Discord right after while we were like, live. No, I was so mad. We were all, oh, I remember we were all so mad. Um, Sven was extremely irritated as well. <laughs> Who? Oh, that guy. The, that guy yeah, in upstate guy. New York. Yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, we you know the politics behind it showed that we are not just Trump cheerleaders and that we actually have principles and ideas and we are willing to criticize Trump and it put us in many ways to the right of Trump. Yeah. It put us uh, separate from Trump yeah. and it broke a lot of people's hearts. I think we all a lot of people became jaded with Trump during that time, but I think ultimately that has been a very very good thing for our movement. Um, to not just become Trump cheerleaders, because yeah. let's be honest, and, and we can do a diagnostic, I guess, later, but he hasn't been you know, everything that we thought. We never thought he'd be our guy in the White House you know, creating a white country. Well, or maybe I think some people, some, did. I think some some people, people did. did. I, I, did, I did for a little bit. I let okay. myself well, believe that. Some yeah. people may have believed that, but we basically, I mean, we figured out that that's obviously... Yeah just not the case and it's much more nuanced and complex than that Um, well we learned that there is a very despite the you know weakness of the cuck right they have there is a immune system to their the system that they have established well that's when we discovered the deep state was the deep state was the enemy to the trump the ideal trump that we had yeah it wasn't the conservatives it wasn't the liberals it was essentially that apparatus that you're talking about 
um, which got him into the uh, or got him to bomb the serious strikes. Now, I mean, as far as like what happened after that, I mean, I, I don't think you know he didn't go to war and invade Syria because the alt right protested outside his the White House or anything like that, right? Um, but what I would say is that the to huge degree, upstorm from social say. media. Well, I'm no, gonna, I, I wouldn't entirely agree with that. No, yeah. well, I'm saying. From social media, the reaction to us oh, doing yeah. that yeah, and no. getting people really fired no, it up. It wasn't just and, the protest. Right, it was us, exactly. it was us it, though. We, we had a part yeah, of that. Yeah, and Absolutely. I think that yeah. he sees this and he understands it, that his base did not sign up for more of these wars. Um, yeah. And look, we're not in Syria today. And right. uh, I mean, well, we are in some Aren't ways, we, but kind of? we're not, we don't have boots on the ground, which is what we were, they were talking about when we went to D.C. that day. Um, no, I mean, the, the, el- the uh, elite... This this you know cosmopolitan clique of elites <laughs> has been uh, wanting this for a very long time, and the American people have not been going for it. Right, and you? we have we have come out as as the articulated voice of that section of the American people that says, no, we don't want any more of this Middle East nonsense. I mean, the left cannot credibly represent this point of view because. In the end, they favor the kind of global system that produces these sorts of wars, uh, nor will they actually you know, put themselves on the line and, and name the people that are behind this drive to war in the Middle East. They want to say it's about oil and it's about all this other stuff when this is about the interests of the Jewish state. And we can say that and we can say that's not our interest and we can credibly speak for white Americans that do not want any more, they do not want to sacrifice any more of their children for Jewish wars. And we are the people that can say that credibly and and forthrightly and honestly. And that they are extremely threatened by that. And, and that's why veterans are joining the alt-right. Yes, it really is. That is it. That, I get this question all the time. Why are so many people in this movement be veterans and why are there so many veterans joining? That's the answer right there. You want to know why there's so much PTSD and drug abuse and suicide issues among the veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan war? It's because they come home and they say why. And yeah, they why don't even know why they did it. Why were we there? What did I do? Yeah. Why did my friends die? And the answer is no more of these wars. Yeah, and that's why. Look, I've never met a veteran that you know we couldn't red pill in like an hour or two, <laughs> and uh, once they get in, they're like, "All right, let's let's do it." We're uh, so hook me up with some body armor, and uh, I'll be Richard's bodyguard. Like, <laughs> I've never met a veteran in or out of the alt right that could could articulate a, a reason of why they did what they did. I mean, many of them, you know, in the moment, obviously, you you, know, you would be able to speak to this much better than me. You do what you have to do. But the grand, like, what? What's the feeling when you go and do something like that, and there is literally no grander purpose? You're not fighting for your people. Like, what? What? Is, I, I mean, you can. You're talk, a mercenary. You know. Yeah. Right. For for you know this rootless cosmopolitan clique <laughs> of people. <laughs> oh yeah, or perhaps a nihilist. Yeah. Well, I, I, really I guess if it. somebody could just be a total nihilist, like I just oh. But yeah, that's not that's a rare personality type. That's not that's not normal. All right. So the uh, anti-war uh, rally really showed uh, the the cleavage between Trump and us. But what is there's sort of two theories regarding Trump's 
actual intent. There's the four-dimensional oh. Oh, chess. Oh, this, this was the birth that, of 4D chess. Well, no, that was the death of 4D chess. I mean, 4D well, chess it's when it became, was the election meme, and 4D chess was never used again after that. No, by our it, it became the joke. That's right. when 4D yeah, chess yeah, exactly. became a joke. Yep. When you're like, oh, is this more of the 4D chess? It's okay, when well, everybody's well, like, no, guys, guys, trust me, the next thing Trump does, yeah, well, watch well, out for that. Clearly, <laughs> clearly he's... He's, it seems that he's not playing 4D chess. There's no, no. great genius uh, plan to uh, restore Western white societies to what they were. But uh, does Trump have some kind of agenda? Is there some deep, maybe a, a smaller, less ambitious agenda that Trump has? Uh, I don't think he has an ideological agenda at all. Uh, I Again, uh, in 2016, I was more euphoric. Uh, I did not think that Trump, I never thought that Trump was an identitarian or one of us or anything like that. I did think that he could pursue something like a VDARE agenda, you know, some, you know, reducing immigration and, and being patriotic, uh, not, not really ideological, but, but um, sensible and, and decent. Uh, but I, I'm not sure even about that at, at this point. Uh, one of the shocking things that happened is the reemergence of conservatism as the only ideological force on the right. And I think to a very large degree, this is Trump's own damn fault that he's pursuing all of this wildly unpopular nonsense, which is actually going to bring down his campaign. Uh, yeah. His presidency. I mean, I, I wrote about this during the national healthcare debate. It's like it's not going to be the Russia conspiracy. It's not going to be Syria that destroys uh, the campaign. It's going to be pursuing these just stupid cuck healthcare policies and tax policies. He yeah. is pursuing Paul Ryan's agenda. What yeah. was so amazing about Trump uh, was that he just di- was disinterested, uh, uninterested. In the mainstream conservative movement, he did yeah. not use their language. He didn't even know how to use their language. When he tried, he put his foot in his mouth, like with the abortion stuff or whatever. He was not one of them. And even if, I mean, Zizek actually said this, even if one's a liberal or leftist, like Trump was a change agent. He was bringing a new language into politics. And that, if you want a different world, that is inherently good. Uh, and so that's who he was. Um, Bannon has said this in that long, you know, interview. Uh, I was actually considering coming as Bannon. I was going to wear like a uh, black polo <laughs> underneath a black dress shirt on top of a black vest and a black blazer. I, anyway. Um, there's nothing wrong with that look. I mean, there's fine. a lot wrong with that. Right. Uh, it's bad but, optics. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, in that optics. whole interview, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we just wanted to uh, uh, make an alliance with the, the establishment kind of thing. So he... Trump did not choose the alt-right as his chief ideologues. And maybe that was an obvious choice. After all, we're wildly controversial. We don't have anything approaching the funding of the conservative movement. But he's ultimately paying for it because the only ideas they have are Reagan, nostalgia, you know, CPAC ideas. So let's, we need to reduce taxes on the Apple Corporation that is sitting on $200 billion they, they, they just don't have enough money, apparently. And, you know, th- this is what we need. I mean, this is so They stupid. need more money to give more jobs to Indians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or, or th- yeah, I mean, that's the conservative agenda right there. Give we, big corporations more money to hire, uh, you know, non-Americans. Yeah, we spend, give them more money, more H-1Bs, more, yeah. you know, more cheap labor. 
It's very conservative. Yeah, we spend more on healthcare than countries, more per capita on healthcare than countries that have national programs. Yet again, we need to put forth this confusing, uh, strange healthcare policy that basically scares people and bewilders them. We're going to pursue this because Paul Ryan says that you know the middle class will benefit. It's all nonsense. He's pursued their agenda and it's bringing him down. I mean, I know this is going to sound either wildly. You know, um, uh, 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 arrogant or or um, I, I'm delusional. Are you going to say that you predicted it? No, no, I'm not. I predicted it. I, I'm not going to. I say predicted it. it six months ago. <laughs> I told you to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no, I'm doing. <laughs> 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 Turn thir- a bit. Yeah. I predicted this. Yeah. <laughs> I told everybody this was going to happen. <laughs> buy Gorilla Coin. <laughs> <laughs> My new cryptocurrency. Okay, let's stop this. Sort of. Yeah, no. Stop before yeah, it gets yeah, started. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I, I know people are going to say that I'm delusional or I'm wildly arrogant by saying this, and perhaps they're right. But, yes, Trump actually should have listened to us, and he should have literally hired us. We are better at ideology. We are clearly better than the entire conservative movement at thinking ideologically and doing politics. I will say that. Outrightly. No, it's definitely true. There's and no question in my mind. The, the biggest, I have never met a single person who is in mainstream conservative movement who, whom I respect or, or I, oh, I want to learn something from this person. No. None of them. No. They're all dweebs. They're the most mediocre people I've, of all time in all levels of their being, starting with their dress, but ending <laughs> in, in their thought. I mean, uh, they're terrible. And he would yeah. have been better by simply becoming who he is and going full Trump. And he does he doesn't he doesn't look, he doesn't need to be an identitarian, he doesn't need to be Richard Spencer, the ethno state now. I, I'm I'm not that delusional. But we could have given him ideas that are infinitely more popular and better than Paul Ryan's ideas, no. period. Now, the one, there's one aspect of Trump that I think is what initially attracted, other than like what he was talking about with immigration and things like that. And that was sort of, he wasn't a cuck, right? Yeah. And, and, it, it, the way, and it still comes out in the way he handles yeah. the media. Um, and, and so you can't totally hate the guy or be angry at him despite, you know, being, you know, he got sucked into this machine and he doesn't really know necessarily how to get himself out of it. But when his, in- when his instincts come out, he still does the right thing. Like when he talks to journalists, <laughs> yeah. freaking great. And this whole thing like, uh, where he's in the, he's excuse with, me, excuse me. Yeah, oh dude, I, me. I've, I've, I've bought that. You know I, he's, I, he's Trump. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Ex- excuse me. Excuse me. I, I take that from, I've, I've like, uh, co-opted that from it. But when he's, then he's in like, he's with Duterte and Duterte's like, <laughs> like yelling at the media, like you're all a bunch of, of spies and chills. And he's sitting there like, <laughs> like laughing and like everyone's supposed to be so outraged about it. But you got to remember and journalists in this room understand Half the country loves that shit. They love it. They love when Trump looks at you and eventually says, fuck you. They love it. Half the country hates you. Just so you know. They fucking hate you. Sorry. We uh, want to get to uh, Q&A. So let's just do a quick exit question. Uh, Exit question. Favorite alt-light figure? Eli. You mean uh, the, favorite. which one I mean, has the best figure? I don't know if that's good or bad, but justify it however you will. Lauren Southern's sister, best figure. <laughs> uh, um, Brittany honest- Pettibone with the sound turned off. 
I, Sorry, this is getting cruel. <laughs> I mean... Or uh, Mike Cernovich with the sound turned on. <laughs> I think that the alt-light... And, I mean, I know, I'm not trying to go too big into this question, but I think the alt-light as we know it is going to be dead this coming year. Yeah. I don't yep. think that we... Yeah. We will refer to people still as alt-light, but, like, as a unified movement, a unified thing, look, it's it's dead. Like, when, when, when Milo comes out and he tries to do a thing and then cancels it, like, we would never do that. You know, we come up with contingency plans that are quite dangerous and insane <laughs> in case we can, in case we get turned down from a venue or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're just going to collapse. They're done. The funding has dried up, as we know. Um, and I think that the alt light or the merchant right is just going to wither away into nothing. Um, and they might re- do a resurgence during Trump, uh, the next election again. Um, but honestly, the alt light isn't even a thing to me anymore. And the other thing too is we see them flirting with our ideas. Um, but anyway, my my favorite alt light figure. I mean, it's between Blair White and uh, Red Pill Black. <laughs> right. That that was one for the ages. That I want you to go watch that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I couldn't I, get through I, it. I have to agree with Mike. The correct answer is Lauren Southern. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do Q and A. No, but actually, legitimately, I, I think that she does have the most potential of them. I could be, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe wrong. she look. She she has good instincts. She she has yeah. balls, uh, so to speak. And we are still trying to get her to do <laughs> she's more something radi- with you or with Hold me on. or she's, both of us. Or? She's more radical than anyone here. She's literally uh, stopped migrant boats from entering. When Europe. I saw oh, that, no. I was like, hell yeah, you go girl. Yeah. No, I, I was saying that because She's I was like, that's awesome. And I, I was like, I wish I could be on that boat. Look, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I like how you took my it as, issue as without was an assumption that Lauren Southern was alt light. Yeah. Right. It was sort of the underhanded insult I was trying to get, but Oh, I see. Just, I see. Yeah. yeah. You just, well, yeah. I mean, she, she's expressed trepidation about doing a podcast with me or with Richard. She doesn't, quite want to do it yet and and i'm like you know we don't bite like you credibly can claim to talk to us as as like a, she a talks she's about us Hold on. she's yeah. afraid she's afraid that we are that our ideas will overpower her in front of other people and that she'll get called out on it because look when you come up with arguments and say things like the united states and canada are newer than europe when the country of the united states is literally older than germany okay <laughs> yeah. and you're yeah. over there yeah. stopping migrant boats yeah. and you are basically what i called vacation nationalism where you want to keep countries white okay that was my term really yes no i said it first all right god i think we actually yeah, said tour- on the phone tourist nationalism is oh whatever yes. Maybe I read it from you and forgot. Anyway, the uh, the idea is that she wants to keep countries white that she wants to go on holiday to. Right. And the rest of her, her country, Canada, and the United States are a shopping mall that anything can be done with. And um, honestly, like, that is a, like, a ter- terrible view. And but, but that's I, her halfway point. Like, she, she actually yeah, has... Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like there's a little disingenuous. I feel like when people use that, they, they're on the defense. They know they're not... Right, but they're just nervous yeah. about about espousing these ideas fully, and they're coming up with kind of like shit tier like excuses to not go all the way, and that's the sense I get from her. Like, well, and she knows what we know. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> like, right. Let's yeah. uh, let's get to the Q and Q and A. All right. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, why don't you line up right here to the right, and I think maybe Mike, you could just pass them yeah. the mic, sure, and uh, we will answer them. Anyone? Anyone? I'm gonna go check on things. Okay. 
Marshal, we can. Do you mind if I take your mic stand? Yeah, just. We'll that's just fine, Mike. You can sit here. Greg has to go. Uh, oh. Uh, we'll do and it. Check on something. Huh? When did you use that, John? When you uh, when you get up to the microphone, we'll, we'll have to go back and see uh, you can indicate uh, whether you would like to uh, be recorded, be on film, and journalists, of course, uh, honor that. Please. Right. Let make that clear. Yeah, let's make that very clear. Could you please not record the Q and A? People just they they have not given. Keep consent. the cameras on us. Can you just keep them on us? Well, if someone... No, no, no. Let's say the default is no. If someone is willing to be recorded, then that's... Just yes. Then just say yes. But the default is no. They'll just, give a hand sign. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Throughout the day, the default is no. And it's up, right. to, it's up yeah. to the journalists to, uh, to establish... You need an otherwise. affirmative yes. Yes. To do anything. Ever. Great. Um... All right, if anyone can hear me. Uh, after growing up... Speak into in, the mic. After growing up in uh, a simulacra of culture meant to sell us products, is what we're seeing in this room today what happens when we've actually found an authentic culture? The willingness to, to come out here in spite of forces that want to shut us down. I think this is the beginning of it. It's, it's definitely the beginning of it for people like us who are more intellectual, who want to live dangerously. Uh, and, I mean, Kevin McDonald has actually talked about implicit white communities. And these are, each one of them is actually kind of deeply flawed in a way. You know, country music or a NASCAR race uh, or, or a, you know, a, a, a suburban, you know, town hall meeting or something. Uh, that those, those are implicit white communities and, and our people really gravitate to them. But each one of those is, is kind of cucked and even anti-white in its right. own way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is the beginning. Uh, in, in 2018, particularly because we're dealing with platforming issues, uh, I want to host many more private gatherings, and totally private ones. This one's a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, but, yes, I, I do think for, for us this is the beginning of, of community, no doubt. But there's, there should be explicit white communities for other people as well. Um, you know, the, the, a kind of... It's something that rises above just going to the Kalispell Rodeo or something. You know, I mean, that, that's great. But something that is more about peoplehood. Right. The, the, the other thing, too, about that, and this is something I've learned this year in, in a huge way, is that this is an, inter, an international movement. I've met friends that I have more in common with from Sweden and Germany, the United Kingdom, Australia, that I have more in common with when I meet them at an, like an alt-right get-together. Um, than I do with people I literally knew and went to high school with and grew up in the same town with. Um, so we're really creating this sort of, um, I mean, international nationalism in a way where our people are coming together across these, uh, uh, these borders. And it's because we all share the same issues. You know, there's, there's, there's nuance and difference between them, but fundamentally every white country is going through what we are going through to some degree. And it's a natural reaction. Uh, I'll say this later, but, um, you know, no civilization, no people has just willingly surrendered and killed itself. This is the first time that we've really seen a mass civilizational suicide happen, and there is no way that you don't have people wake up before it happens. And yeah, that's, what, that's, that's what our movement is. Right. <clears throat> no, I, I definitely agree that there's literally no way that it just goes. I mean, it, it's already not. 
But to answer your question, I would say, yeah, like this is this is more authentic than uh, anything that I can think of that that others are involved, like that I've been involved in and that others have been involved in. And, you know, this community here is, is a real community and it's it's built on like real, very strong bonds of, of brotherhood and sisterhood, yeah. familyhood. And uh, I don't think there's anything else that can compare to it, frankly. I, right I, now, I, I don't. I, you know, I everything else is empty. It's corporate. It's established. It's, it's, it's. Um, I could think of any number of synonyms for empty and, and fake. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know. But but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like there's there's very little authentic, and that's really what you see in uh, things like hipster culture and the n- number of subcultures that spread around the United States is that just this quest for authenticity in this sort of bland, neoliberal corporate environment that we live in, everything feels fake. And then everything ultimately gets reduced to consumerism. If, oh, well, I'm into, like, my beard and, yeah. and like, shaving, or I'm into craft beers or things like that, that's all going to get corporatized ball. and capitalized. <laughs> but this can't be because this is real. Uh, I uh, one, one quick thing to add. I I do sometimes wonder what do normies talk about. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind what, of like what, what you, when we when we are together at two a.m. and we're you know we're drunk. Like we're talking about like the ethno state or like what we want, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Um, are they passionate about uh, sports ball or? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they talk <laughs> legit, about. Because even before we were all right, we were passionate about ideas. Like yeah. uh, you know, I I would chew people's ear off. I mean about libertarianism and and that that cop is giving you an implicit death threat when he pulls you over and <laughs> people 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 like it was not fun for, yeah, yeah no but but because i always loved the the idea and and because we have that level of like real connection to each other and authenticity i just i feel bad for other people that aren't like us frankly great hi guys uh hello i want you to speak about if I could get you each of you to comment on uh, two aspects of, I feel like the left right now has, since Charlottesville 2.0, the left has aligned even more than they were with corporate America and Google and, and mm-hmm. Facebook and these corporate monopolies. And uh, I have not met a member of the alt-right who was anti-environment, who was for cutting down the last tree and all this. And I think, like, Boy, ob- now you have. No, I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm joking. obviously, I'm joking. The, the policies of, of uh, the policies of you know corporate, you know, immigra- mass immigration, for instance. I mean, I know this tore apart the Sierra Club years ago. Yep. There was yes. a big fight yes. over do we pro immigration, anti? Obviously, cor- you know, uh, yeah, ripped, urban yeah, they, sprawl. Yeah. Urban sprawl is destroys the environment. Uh, on labor and the environment, I feel like those are the two issues because most millennials did vote for Bernie. They didn't vote for Trump. Uh, of those two issues, not um, if you divide by race. Not if you divide by race. That's yeah, true, and but that's of, what matters. Okay, but of white, of white millennials, those are the two reasons that I've seen over and over and over again why they. And there are two issues that I feel like the alt right can own. I feel like that, that we yes. are separate yes. from. Yeah, and, I, and I'm wondering: is 2018 going to be because the left is so? Harvey Weinstein's a perfect example of like the billionaire leftist who has just completely forgotten about working people completely for and it's just transgenders and you know all this kind of crazy social experimentation is 2018 going to be the year when we really own these issues of anti-corporate 
a, a right-wing workers' movement yeah. and a right-wing environmental movement. That I, we can take I those two certainly, issues I certainly hope so. And, and one of the, I think we have to, we have to really push that, and we have to be wary of a couple of things. So, so the left typically sells itself as like a pro-worker movement, pro like the the downtrodden movement. They're going to do all this stuff for them, and they a lot of people vote for the left based on that. And then what they get is like gay politics. They get big gay, big big corporate gay, as we call it. And the gay, the and, gay uh, thing is and, very, and they get all these wealthy. weird, and yeah. they get and they get literal undercutting of labor through the importation of cheap labor. You know, whether it be illegal, unskilled labor, or H one B labor, which there's literally, I'm sorry, there is no Indian with an H one B that's doing something that a white American can't do. There just literally is not, and. Um, and that's what they get while they vote. They vote. They honestly, many of them honestly vote on workers' issues, and they don't get it. And I think we have to be aware of, of, of Trump, Trumpism becoming kind of a lie like that for, for us. Like we have to hold their feet to their fire and make the, make the Trumpism that we were sold real and make sure that it stays real. Like it, it, it was a workers' Trump was a workers' candidate, and that, like, yeah. the left didn't get that. He was an anti-war workers' candidate, and we have to make sure that we stay that. Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, I don't need to add much to this because uh, I, I think we're all on the same side. Uh, we actually have an, an environmental policy paper that we're going to be issuing before Christmas. Um, uh, I, the the healthcare debate did actually allow uh, me and a number of other people an opportunity to show this stark difference that we have with right. the Paul Ryan types. Uh, I think we have to own this. I, I do not see this as a bad thing. Like we're we're you know the, the people who equate conservative ideology with what middle class middle Americans want. It's just it's it's it, it, absolutely is a two starkly different things. Uh, I, I totally agree. We can speak about environmentalism, not even environmentalism. We can speak about nature in yes. a way that the lefts quite literally can't. They don't have the words for it. And so, yes, I, I think we need to talk about these issues uh, and own them. And I, I just think we need to get away from the conservative movement. Uh, we've all been bashing the alt-light a lot as our kind of punching bag. I agree with Eli. I think we should probably stop because it's it's over, and it's just we're just kind of they're just going to be selling vitamin supplements it's, in a year. Like that's, exactly, you know, like, it's yeah. over. But you know, one thing that I've been doing probably for my entire life in this since I dropped out of graduate school in 2007 uh, has been anti-conservative movement, and that is yeah. a that's a billion dollar industry. It's it's staunch. It's ensconced, and they Washington. literally so rip off. To, they rip off their their constituents. Yeah. They 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 take money from these people on just absolute bullshit premises, and they are they're scum. They're scum. Conservative Inc. is scum. Well, they should be thrown in prison at this point. With the way they did the with the way they, what they did with healthcare, they raised more money than yeah, any dude. party ever has, based around the idea that they were going to repeal this healthcare and replace it, repeal yeah. and replace, repeal and replace. We heard it for eight years, and then they get the presidency, they get the Congress, they get the Senate. They get the judicial system, and not, they can't pass a bill. So they are a fraud. The, the, yeah. the traditional conservatism is a fraud. But to answer your question, as far as environmentalism goes and workers' issues and things like that, look, this movement is going to have to be explicitly anti-capitalist in a lot of yes. ways. And yes. I yeah. am someone who yeah. was a libertarian <laughs> for a long time. And it, yeah. I, I, I mean, at one point, I think a lot of libertarians go through this. They say, oh, the ethnostate is how we can have true libertarianism then. And I <laughs> well, grew out of that yeah. relatively quickly. But um, and 
and I think that we need to <laughs> attack capitalism because, look, we've almost drained the market of libertarians, I think. Anyone who's a libertarian today is a soy boy or has a non-white girlfriend or whatever the hell it is. Everybody or, or, or is like some gender thing. Yeah. yeah or like, it's essentially libertarianism is of the left now. And oh, ecl- they've eclipsed. Yes. Yeah, so well, they the, went back to their roots. Yeah. Honestly, next, that's what they yeah, were in the true. 70s. Yeah. I mean, the, this, this, whatever. So the, the, the pool shit, of people that's next is going to be those white Bernie voters. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I've actually met oh, several of them over. who are probably in this room who have joined Identity Europa. And the reason is, is because they see um, the anti-white rhetoric and the coming from their peers at the time and the fact that uh, there is no place for them in that movement. There's no, there's no place for them in that party. And when, we, when they come to us and they see what we say, um, they immediately feel at home. So I do think environmentalism and workers' issues are going to be very important moving forward. Um, and like, there's no other way forward other than being you know, explicitly anti-capitalist, like I said. Yeah, and um, the, the Bernie left also saw that you know, the Bernie left was a very white movement. And I mean, almost completely, you know, and uh, they were attacked as such by the mainstream, you know, neo-corporate liberal establishment Hillary people. Uh, They were attacked for being too white and they saw that and it affected them. And I know people that were Bernie bros that came over because of Hailgate. Like, I know people like that. I mean, it sounds unbelievable to a lot of people that have certain prejudices, and, you know, burned into their mind, but it's true. And, and one last thing I'll say about that, because it relates to what I do in the activism side, is leftists are natural activists. So they join and they immediately That's true. know That's true. they can fit right into what we're doing right now and they know what's going on. Um, and, and these people are going to be much like the veteran community of like 2017 was the year of the veterans joining. 2018 is going to be the year of the leftists joining, and it's going to be a huge. Uh, it's going to be a huge resource that we can really tap 2015 into. 2015 was the year of the libertarians Libertarian, joining. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Mike and I, Mike and I, were both 40. We went through libertarianism, <laughs> yeah. paleoconservatism, all that jazz, and we reached here. Um, I, it's it's pe- people aren't going to necessarily take that path. Actually, let's say this. Um, let us all try to answer questions more succinctly. Yeah, I was just so going to say, we got to be quicker about yeah, yeah. this. These should all be yeah. exit questions. All right. <laughs> oh, hi, hi sir. Hi. Um, I think one of the things the left learned the hard way with Trump was the ugly truth that politics is bloodless war. And I think people on the right kind of knew that with Obama, right? So th- I think Trevor Noah also called Trump the first African president. And I'm wondering if you guys can just make a prediction. What are some, in the near future, what are some new ways in which we're going to see uh, us as a culture collectively realizing that politics is not about voting, about policies, but actually fighting each other? Well, we need an explicitly identitarian candidate. I mean, I, I think that that is the next thing, because uh, Donald Trump took implicit retro-Americanism conservatism to its limit. And, and, it, and it became, in Trump, more bombastic and, and, and let's be frank, a little more stupid and, 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 and vulgar. Uh, but he, he, he took it to its limit. I, I don't think there's much beyond that. I don't think there's going to be another Trump who's, you know, more you know, insanely patriotic or something. I, I think we, we have to have a real identitarian candidate in the sense that someone who 
talks about his whiteness, talks about our issues, and so on. I think that has to be the next step. I don't know who that is, uh, but that has to be the next step. Yeah, I mean, I also think that fundamentally we all in this room like know that it's about more than, than voting and, and like push polling and, and like numbers and it's like because it, it, this, pol- this is politics that's like real I mean it is real like blood politics what we're doing because this is really about people and we are joined together at that like real deep level uh, at least in this movement we are and it's yeah. a thing that I don't you know I don't know that uh that that's a thing that uh, it's it's new. It's going to be new to American politics, at least in the last century or so. When when you have real like politics rooted in like you know blood, the only not, not like we're going to shed it, but you know <laughs> you know what I mean. Like the, the only thing that's going to wake these people up uh, to kind of this issue, this this idea that politics is war through other means, is our movement. Like kind of like Richard said, when Texas turns blue. The Republican Party will not bat an eye, right. um, and we need to realize that we are the only hope. We yeah. are the only kind of thing that's going to save us. We're the only thing that's going to wake our people up. There's not going to be yeah. some other force or other s- event that happens that does this. Yeah, I mean, and what happens to Virginia should be a teachable moment for the conservative yeah. politicians. It's not. They know, and they they know that their job is just to run out the clock on that. But the people are like, what? fuck happened to my state <laughs> and and we have the answer to that cool. so, yeah. first of all I'd like to uh, thank you all for recognizing the contributions our veterans have had to our movement uh, going beyond that what would you say to all of our men who volunteered to risk their life for obscure foreign policy objectives but won't risk so much as their social status for their own people Whoosh. Uh, <laughs> you can take that one. Uh, I would say man up, bro. I mean, I, I in many ways ha- don't have that. I mean, I don't know what it's like to go and fight Arabs in the sand. And maybe if I had my life to live over, I would go and join and do it for the adventure aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is sort of a funny thing. And it shows you that there's, like, there's physical courage and there, there's moral courage. And... You know, the, the veterans that join our movement have both, and that's great. And some people, you know, they don't have the physical body for that kind of a thing, or they just didn't join the military, but now they have the moral courage to be part of this. And so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my, my thing on that, real, just real quick, like, there, it's not just veterans that you see this with, but plenty of people who are afraid to take the leap, afraid to do anything. And, and my, like, my question to them is always, then what are you living for? What are you doing? Yeah. Like what's if the you're, point? what's the point? You know, in fifty years, sixty years, when you're old, you're gonna look back at your life, and this is part of why I decided to take the plunge personally into this. And you're but I watched to re- so many great football games. Yeah, I mean, like there's I nothing beat all else those to live levels, for. dude. And I beat so many levels. Yeah, and and veterans look. They wanted to do something. They wanted to serve a greater purpose. Yeah. They wanted to do something that was going to have a legacy. That's part of what it is. And they were denied that by getting in these foreign Jewish wars. So when I say to veterans, and it's obvious to them, is 
join our movement, join our people, join your people, and you can be you can make that legacy yourself. This is a new thing; it's rising, and you can get it on the ground level, and you can actually have a legacy for your kids um, and join a wonderful community like ours. Thank you. Uh, just really quickly, uh, another reminder to the press: uh, corporate labels like wine bottles, anything uh, <laughs> that's not to be filmed. So, Wait, what? Unless it's Papa John's. Wait, I thought we were going with the corporate endorsements now, right? <laughs> corporate endorsements. You can endorse whoever you want. I endorse the Smock Pro Color Vape okay. Mod. <laughs> so my question is, uh, Richard, what's the deal with that Barbara Bush photo? Oh. And, and, and uh, for the rest of you, I mean, you guys have actually seen Richard with his mask off, and like you've gotten to gaze upon his reptilian visage. Oh, I was going to uh, say, when so he took white. the mask off, he showed his white hood. Yeah. Like, was, so, was yeah, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, has, has everyone seen the Laura Bush photo? Dude, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me give you a little behind-the-scenes story. This is a Jesus major Christ. scoop. I know the person who leaked that photo. And that person is me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Trump I would, used to do stuff like that, too. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, it was just a Glacier Park uh, kind of fundraiser thing. Uh, Maury Povich was there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he's oh, an God. awesome guy. More, and all, one of those oh, guys who did the animal videos, I'm forgetting his name, but he's, he's a really cool like nature adventurer type. He was Steve there. Irwin? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, no. God, that was a bad joke. I just got that. Sorry. Sorry. I <laughs> know. Uh, this is, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it, it was just a kind of celebrity encounter. I mean, she was a very nice woman. She's maybe the only, you know, bush that I like. I, I, it, it was a lot of fun. But it is, I, I knew what was going to happen when it was leaked because it became this, you know, Illuminati conspiracy and um, I'm sure Alex Jones has picked up on it because, you know, we're, we're, we're actually working for the Democrats who are working for the Illuminati who's working for Count Dracula. Well, I mean, I mean literally this is the thing, that. like, when they found a picture of my mother with Hillary Clinton, like, right. shocker, my mother is a liberal. Like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, the other thing I'll say about it, too, just about that is like it shows like when i became docs and became more public like i was attacked like i went right in the first day like got all the check boxes i'm like gay i'm jewish i work for the cia like all of it right away and uh, it didn't get to me because i basically saw it like i was one of those people who was acting like that like two years ago and i see it as like a really powerful immune system that our movement has and it's meant to keep out people who aren't us and it, 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 I'm I'm more skeptical of it actually. Well, uh, I, I, think I think it's, it's a lot of paranoia. I think yeah, it's it paranoia, is. and I think it's an excuse not to do anything. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm with Richard I mean, on you, this. You, yeah. you you basically say, oh well, he might look like he stands up for us. He might look bold, but oh no 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 no, no. Yeah. CIA agent. Uh, it's all we don't have fake, to worry about yeah. it. I, I that's also scary. kind of defeatism. Like there's nobody that could ever be authentically for for white people. Like everyone's a Jew shill. <laughs> everyone's a conservative. Everyone's taking money from the state or something. I mean, on some level, like the Cernoviches and them push that stuff because they are cowards, and we remind them of their own cowardice, and this is how they get out of it. We hold the mirror up to them. We're like, Mike, you're a coward. I'm sorry, you're a fucking coward, and he knows it, and that's why he says Richard's a deep state plant or whatever. Um, for like just weird, there's also just weird paranoid people. I mean, they just they yeah. just are. They just exist. Yeah, <laughs> just exist. Hey, Mike. Richard, Eli. Um, so earlier you touched up. 
So earlier you touched upon a point where, um, you know, the demographic trends are not really looking in our favor. And um, one of the things I know Richard likes to point out, um, I think he pointed out on the podcast before, is how uh, when the Bolshevik Revolution, 100th anniversary not too long ago, we pointed out how a small minority could take power. And I think an analogy was used to, like, the American Revolution. But in order to make that work, you have to relate to the populace. And once we reach that tipping point, I kind of don't understand how it's going to work. And um, another point is that we, we in the alt-right tend to get a lot of really smart people, right? And um, the strategy I tend to hear is the idea of the Alinsky march to the institutions. But if we are on a very limited time clock, how are we going to make that work? Uh, I, I've never promoted the march to the institutions uh, strategy. I think that also is a kind of excuse for, I, oh, I won't do anything right now, but just wait 40 years and, you know, I'm going to surprise everyone. I, I've never bought that. Uh, I think demographics are, from one perspective, in our favor uh, because the fact is we have to become a different population. We are going to have to experience this. The alt-right could not have arisen in 1964, uh, the alt-right is arising now precisely as an outcome of multiracialism and multiculturalism and yeah. mass immigration. Uh, so we have to experience this to go beyond it. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a trauma that we have to go through. And we, we'll, we'll come out the other end of it, but without the experience, it wouldn't happen. And uh, I, I agree with, like, the march through the institutions sounds good, but the march through, through the institutions was how our society was destroyed. And they can take 200 years to do that. But we have a limited time to save it. And so getting ourselves like strategically placed, one, these, these institutions, however cucked they are, they, they are fiercely internal, like purge internally. Like they'll find our people and get rid of them. Um, so, you know, while I don't want to discourage people from attempting to get into institutions and positions of, of power in the current system, I do think that a, we are also working at a level of, of mass raising of consciousness where those institutions simply have to do what we want yeah, I, look, because they have no other option. Well, once we raise the consciousness of the people. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate conformism, particularly among highly intelligent people. Uh, it's, it's not like all of these corporations were, were overturned by secret agents of the left who were in there. They're, they're highly intelligent conformists who recognize this is the state religion, this is what I have to say, this is, you know, this is yeah. what I have to do, and we're going to do this so that we don't get heat. Uh, this is a good strategy for us. So just we can rely on the conformism of highly intelligent people. And the great thing about it is that when they win, they'll all tell us, they're like, oh, I was behind you the whole time. Like, I, I couldn't have been overt, but, you know, I yeah. had your back. You'll get a lot of that. And they'll actually genuinely believe it as a, as a psychological mechanism. So, uh, no, I, I don't think we should rely on that. I, I think we should just be who we are, raise consciousness, and, and be bold. All right. Um, we might just have to do two more questions, and let's make this quick, and then we can take a break and everyone can mingle. All right, gentlemen. So this is a uh, pretty good follow-up. Uh, my question pertains to European-style um, hate speech legislation. When do you see it coming, in what manner, and what are some things that we can do uh, either to circumvent it or to delay it? Well, we already have this. It's already coming out. Um, right now in the, I believe it's the House, or maybe it's in the Senate. I didn't even know about this. Oh, they're basically trying to make it illegal to criticize Israel. I mean, li literally. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And it's got That's widespread support. Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, 
put in some very colorful language and all this stuff, of course, but that is basically what they're trying to do. Um, and uh, a friend of ours, Mike, actually brought this up, why we need to essentially take over a lot of this kind of, I mean, we might disagree with a lot of this American aesthetic stuff or American ideals, but like normies do not like that. So I think the right. way we kind of push back on this is to go real hard on the free speech issue uh, because normies don't like that. You know, that's, that is against the First Amendment making it illegal to criticize yeah. Israel. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how the left kind of grows through power, was through the free speech movement and things like that. Um, and we can also do the same uh, with our movement. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I think we, we have to go to the wall for free speech, and I'm, I'm willing to do it. And as I said, I'll give a communist free speech because it's, it's, you can always beat them. It's simple. It's, it's child's play to beat them in an argument. And... Um, you know, it is like I don't want to. I know we we have a lot of criticism for you know kind of crass Americanism and consumerism, but there's like deeply rooted beliefs and values in America that are good, and free speech is one of them. And I, I, I'll fight for it, and we all have to fight for it. And look, if if uh, people are going, if Congress is even considering a bill that says you can't criticize this country or this group of people then, you know, I'll go balls to the wall and anybody that's going to sign that is anti-American. Yeah. Like in a fundamental, real sense. In Not anti-American sense. because they don't, oh, I, I'm questioning the Iraq war and I don't like George W. Bush. No, not like that. No, a real, true sense of anti-Americanism. Like you are against free speech. You are against us saying our ideas in the public square. That is fundamentally anti-American. Yeah. Real quick, I mean, I, I'm not sure free speech can exist in a, a multiracial well, environment. It can't. It can't. The, well, the, the cracking, the, the fault it, lines are all being exposed now. When it exists, it looks a lot like red pill black versus Blair white. <laughs> that is, uh, well, that's just, just modern. Sc- that's just conservatism in 2017, screaming. and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's screaming at each other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, w- obviously for true free speech to exist, we, we do have to have this common denominator yeah. common ground but let's move on let's be really quick because I, I think everyone wants to grab a drink and mingle and all that kind of stuff okay last uh, one. i think i'm in the last one in line so i'll just touch on a few things that i got from identity europa uh from people back home we've touched on this election issue a little bit uh demographics and how that kind of shapes up with everything what in your guys opinion and richard as well you've talked about you know how we kind of need to build up this reservoir of public consciousness first um deal with our demographics as an, and see that as an awakening for a little bit later. What can, what what what's the type of person that needs to be running for office now? What do they need to be doing? And what's uh, in your guys' minds? What what exactly is the timetable working at before we can have like big? I don't like any of these timetables. Just just be bold. I mean, okay. a, a, according to other, a, a, according to many in our even our movement, like Trump was too early or too bold. They shouldn't have done that. We need to wait. Whenever anyone makes that argument about waiting. That, that's just an excuse. That's inherent cuckery. I mean, I, I, I just go. I mean, I, I think if someone was really bold in 2018, it's not too early. And maybe it, maybe it is, like, technically too early. He's, he's not going to win. But in terms of laying the groundwork for something, uh, we, we just need to accelerate everything. And, and I, I'm tired of waiting. I mean, they, we, and if we do wait, I think we're going to lose this ba- breakthrough. If we, if we decide to you know, curl up into a ball or something like that, we're going to lose all of this momentum. Yeah, people overthink this stuff, man, like a lot. And I get why. Like, I'm not, I understand because you sit there and you're like, oh, yeah. how, how are we going to do it? Like, you know, and then like it's, it's like really, it's really frustrating. And, and also like you can't stop thinking about it. And you can get like very autistic with it. 
So I get why people do this. They want timetables. Like, We're going to have candidates on the ballot by 2024. And, you know, it's like, I, I just can't say that I know that that's going to happen or that what would happen in that case. But it's like, you just have to go all for it now and just we had to just keep pushing now and right now we're we're hot like everybody wants to talk to us and talk about us and we can't lose that and we had to keep the conversation in the public square right now about the all right about white identity about yeah. you know like like white genocide the, the the demographic situation that whites are in we have to keep that in the minds of whites at all time and the virginia situation everybody's like Trumpism loses, hate loses. It's like, no, white people lost right. in Virginia. And they, they are going to be awakening to this. They're like, white people lost Virginia. We, Virginia is lost to white people. Like, think about that. It's not a white state anymore. And if that doesn't wake you up, then, like, I don't know what to tell you. And it's, it's waking pe- people up. <laughs> Believe me, it's waking people up. They saw what happened. They're like, Wow. This was my home, and now it's wow, not. Wow, what a waste. Wow, what a waste. <laughs> um, I would say some actual practical advice on that is if someone is going to do that, I don't think that the, like, the long march is a good strategy for our movement or anything like that. But if individuals want to do that, then they practically have to remove themselves in a lot of social circles and a lot of things. There can't be a picture with you and Richard Spencer at NPI. No. There can't be a Facebook account that's you know, friends with me and Mike on Facebook. So to those people who want to do that, um, you have to go all in and make that decision like immediately, basically. So you can't, you can't do half and half. Okay. Is, is what I would say. Well, the, the other thing with that is it's already kind of happening because it, do you think if you go to like the lower level of conservatism Inc to all these think tanks and, and whatever, like family values council or whatever the hell they have, all these things, Heritage Foundation. Do you think their interns aren't talking about whether they're alt-right or not? That's all they're talking we about. We know they That's are. That's the litmus test in the conservative movement from yeah. everyone that I've heard. It's not, are you pro-life or pro-choice? Are you for free markets? or what? It's, it's are you alt-right or alt-right? And they have to suspect not? every young yes. white person joining their thing, uh, is yes. this person alt-right? They suspect all of them. And it's like gossip. Like, I, we I, we know this. I can't you know talk too much about it, but you know. <laughs> we all know this. Yes. We all know this in this room. So yeah, yeah. we're right, hearing. Let's uh, let's put a bookmark in it. But a little bird told uh, me. Let's. It is three ten or so right now. Uh, let's take an hour long break and meet back uh, after four, and the program will continue. But feel free to mingle and have fun. So bye bye. Thank you guys. Soup.